I think that what has continued to surprise me to this day is just like that tiny houses inspire kind of a kindness in people and they kind of bring your community out of the woodwork. And even now with how much more common tiny houses are, if you tell people that you're building a tiny house, they just want to help. They're like, that's so cool. I've always wanted to do that myself. You know, oh, I have a box of hardwood flooring in my basement that like that's left over from the kitchen renovation. Do you want it? Or like, can I come by and help you one day? It's just like, it, it always surprises me how people are willing to kind of help when you share a vision like that, that is exciting and kind of just something a little bit out of the ordinary. That is an aspirational thing for a lot of people. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Hey, be it babe, what's up? Okay, so today's guest is a very specific topic. Okay, it's a very specific topic, and um, I'll let him introduce what his specific topic is. But the reason I wanted to have him on, whether or not you see yourself in this specific topic, doesn't matter. I want you to practice seeing your journey, seeing your dream, seeing your vision, seeing your goal in someone else, because that is how we learn. It is. So sometimes we want like a roadmap, a blueprint of some kind where we go, okay, step A, step B, step C. But some of the best ideas I've had have been from other industries, from other people's goals, from other people's questions, from other people's ideas that had nothing to do with what I'm doing. Because often we get a little stuck in where we are and we're like, well, everyone does it like this. So that's how I have to do it. But some of the best inspirations you're going to get are from seeing yourself in other people's situations. So I challenge you with this episode. Um, if you are like, oh, Leslie, thanks so much. This isn't for me. Keep listening. Also, I freaking love his beat action. I'm at the end. It is definitely towards what he is doing, but I think we all can do it. So it'll be really easy for you to see yourself in that. But again, challenge yourself. And if you're like, oh my God, yes, this is what I've been doing. Cause I'm thinking of three listeners right now. Who I know are doing this great. Enjoy. He's a wealth of knowledge and I'm so, so excited, but I'm truly inspired by him and his perseverance, his authenticity and the journey that he's on. And I think we can all uh, learn and glean something from this. I can't wait to hear what you did with this interview, with this information. And so let us know at the beat pod tag us there. Make sure you leave us a review. Um, and if you really like our guest, he has a podcast too. So you can go ahead and listen to his and do a favor. If you like his, leave a review. If you, <laughs> I know I say this a lot. I say it at the end of every podcast. Here's the deal. Reviews matter. I get to read every single one of them and they're so much fun. The team reads them all and we share them around the whole office and it's, well, the virtual office and it is a lot of fun. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being you. And here is our guest, Ethan Waldman. Hey, Beat Listener, I have the one and only Ethan Wallman here. I'm super excited to have him because I saw what he was doing and I thought that's something a lot of people think about doing, talk about doing, and then maybe have a million reasons why they wouldn't do it. So I wanted to bring him on um, to maybe inspire you. And if you don't see yourself in his particular situation, you can use all these things for anything else. So you're putting obstacles in the way. So Ethan, thanks for being here on the Beat Pod. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you're up to? 
Sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me, Leslie. I'm Ethan Waldman. And the thing that I am passionate about is tiny houses. Yeah. Okay. So before I got rid of a TV many moons ago, they like had tiny houses on TV shows. Like people would talk about tiny houses. Like, did you grow up in a tiny house? Like, was it easy? I have so many questions. <laughs> How did you get into a tiny house? Yeah. I did not grow up in a tiny house and it was not easy. Um, I think it's it's kind of funny. Like if I knew now how hard it was to build my own house, I probably never would have done it. So I'm I'm almost glad that I didn't know. About 10 years ago now, or actually more than 10 years ago, I was a couple of years into a corporate career, kind of the thing that I studied in college. I was doing the like living in a cubicle from nine to five kind of thing. And I just, I wasn't really happy. I just... I love the outdoors. I love, you know, skiing and and being on the lake and just doing these things that require like the precise alignment of weather conditions. And it always really bothered me when I had to be at my desk doing work that really wasn't that time sensitive when what I really wanted to be doing was like skiing that morning. And so I started to really become interested in entrepreneurship, interested in in having my own business. And I, I had already started kind of a side hustle, a side business, but I was still renting, you know, an expensive house with a friend. I hadn't really changed anything about my lifestyle and and hadn't really taken many steps, really big steps toward like leaving my job and like really changing things up. And so sometime in 2011, I found a blog called Rowdy Kittens um, written by Tammy Strobel <laughs> and her and her husband, I know. She has, she likes cats. She has a bunch of kittens. Um, <laughs> what a blog. Her and her husband, Logan, had, they didn't build it themselves, but they had hired a company headed by this person named D. Williams to build them a tiny house. And so I kind of just went down the rabbit hole, reading about Tammy and Logan's tiny house, learning about D. Williams, who is kind of like the, like the godmother of the tiny house movement, learning about tumbleweed tiny homes. It's kind of this guy, Jay Schaefer, just like, all these kind of OG tiny house people and learning about like, hey, like these houses are small. They are, you know, DIYable. Anybody can learn to build their own house. Like there are workshops you can take. You can buy the plans. And I I just realized that, you know, building a tiny house and, and living in one would drastically lower my my monthly expenses. Like if I could own my own home outright with what I had in savings and, and I had enough in savings at the time to to take it on, that I'd be able to leave my corporate job and not have to come up with a business idea that would pay me what I was making in the corporate career. Cause that that's difficult to go from, you know, corporate career to oh, working for yourself and, and replacing yourself. the income at the same time. Yeah. yeah. No, if there's yeah. a, as someone who's done it, you can do a little bit of like bridging. <laughs> Like a little yeah. bit. And then you're working seven days a week, most of the time, all the time. So you're yeah. not doing your snow stuff that you want to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you still have to eventually make the leap and there's going to be a gap. Yeah. Yeah. So the tiny house like was my gap, was my gap thing. I love it. So, yeah. So you built it yourself by yourself. Did you have help? Yeah. So my budget was such that like I had to do it all myself. And like when I was, three months into the project and like recognized that I was basically nowhere, I realized that I needed help <laughs> because like the house really it's it's I had at that point I had made like pretty significant investment in a trailer that's like several thousand dollars in materials. And I I came to the realization that until it's an actual house, 
you invest all this time and money and it's not really worth anything. So like you, you need to get it done. And so I, I actually put out an ad on Craigslist and found kind of a local jack of all trades uh, type person who, who really worked with me the whole build. And, you know, I would hire him. His name was Jason, like one or two days a week. He would kind of get me started on the next step, whatever next thing it was, kind of show me how to do it and then kind of turn me loose. That's cool. I actually, uh, thanks for sharing that part because I think no matter what a project is, the DIY is great because you could have, you, you can stay in your budget. You can do things that like, yeah. but then eventually there's going to be things you don't know how to do. And it's either going to cost you more time, which is mm-hmm. more money eventually on like city things sitting there. You can't move in because now you're paying rent at the other place, or yeah. it's going to cost you money to shorten the time span to hire someone. So that's really cool that you were able to find someone who can kind of like do it with you. Yeah, it was really helpful. And I, you know, I credit Jason with, with, helping make it happen. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't hire him. <laughs> so I mean, how- it still took 14 months. Okay. That was my next one. 14 yeah. months. That's a, that is a lot longer than you probably expected. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> like my housemate at the time was a woodworker who had done construction. And, and when I was talking to him about it, he was like, oh yeah, you could build that in like three months and I'll help. <laughs> and <laughs> not only didn't he help, it takes a lot longer than three months you could do it in three months if you really, if you knew how to build already and you worked full time on it. Like, yeah, like that was your nine uh, to five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I tell people in, in my training materials that it's, it's like a thousand to, to 1400 hours of work to build a tiny house. So, yeah. you know, you just have to divide, you have to divide that thousand hours out over a period of time. Yeah. Often when a couple builds a tiny house together on the weekends, it takes them about a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, now we're you've been living in your tiny house about 10 years now. Well, we're 10 years down the road. Um, I don't live in my tiny house anymore. Actually, now it is the, the cool thing about tiny houses. I knew that I might never live in it forever or I knew I wasn't going to live in it forever. But I also knew that I, I like never wanted to get rid of it because it's it's such an asset to me. You know, I built my whole business around educating people on how to plan and build tiny houses. But now also I've I've found my way into this really sweet situation. I found a landlord who is open to letting us do Airbnb. So basically, I've turned the tiny house into, you know, another piece of my business in terms of income. That's so, so cool. So now people yeah, are staying in your tiny house. Yeah. And it's fun, too, because I, I get so many messages from guests who are like, thank you. This helped us figure out like what we wanted in terms of our tiny house. And, you know, I tell people, like, if you're thinking about living in a tiny house and you've never been in one. First, see if there's a tiny house festival happening in your area, because that's a great way to see a ton of tiny houses at once. But even better, book one on Airbnb for a night or a weekend and and see what it feels like to, to live there. Yeah, that's that's actually <laughs> a genius tip. Um, I think everyone should try everything on for size, whether it's a tiny house or a job or a school yeah. or a relationship, <laughs> you know, because some things like look really good on the outside and then you, like then it's reality. So let's talk about like moving from the house you were in into the tiny house. And you alluded earlier, like it wasn't easy. So like what were the harder parts of like moving into the tiny house? I would say that it was the building of the tiny house that wasn't easy. It took so long that like I had a lot of time to prepare. Okay. In terms of like getting rid of clutter and and possessions that I that I knew I didn't want. In fact, that was it was one of the very earliest things I could do, even before I started building, when I was still 
in the planning phases and, and saving up money, it's like you can start decluttering and, and kind of getting rid of the stuff that you don't want right away. And that makes it easier to move into the tiny house. I love that because it's like it's like you got to live tiny before you were in your tiny house. Definitely. And and I think that there is an element of like living in a tiny house that that does make it easier to declutter and downsize. Like when you have the space, you will spread out into it. And so if you try to cram your your, you know, one bedroom apartment life into a tiny house, all of a sudden there's going to be stuff everywhere and it's going to be obvious to you what needs to go. Um, <laughs> but but as much as you can do beforehand, the better. And And also just for me, it just gave me something to stay motivated about. Like it gave me some tangible things that I could do while I was waiting to start that were actually going to contribute to to the project. Yeah, because, you know, like it doesn't matter what the goal is, right? It always takes a little longer than we want or that we think or we plan. But being able to take little actions every day so it feels like you're getting closer to the goal is yeah. rewarding. And um, and so I, I think I love that you pointed that out. I will say it because we went from a 500 square foot apartment with two that's dogs. A, that's almost a, that's a tiny house. That's a tiny house. So we had this amazing tiny house. We lived in this yeah. great neighborhood in L.A. and it's a super, super old um, studio apartment, which is not technically uh-huh. a studio because there wasn't in there was a door on the inside. <laughs> there was a kitchen, full kitchen, and then like a dressing room, and then the bathroom was behind the kitchen and it had a door too. So there was like technically you could call it a one bedroom, but the bedroom was in the kitchen as well. So that's why it's a studio. Okay. But it also had a back patio and a backyard with a tree. No apartments in LA had this, so we could like sort of have an office outside because it's LA. But we. Yep. It was amazing when we moved out to a five bedroom house, <laughs> everything we owned, like I was like, where are these boxes coming from? How did we like, where were this packed away? It was so crazy. We were able to hide even in 500 square feet with two yeah. dogs. Yeah. We had like three, two guitar, three guitars underneath the bed. Like I didn't even know that we had a trombone under the bed as well. We had all of that <laughs> under the bed. So it's kind of shocking. And now that we live in this house, we have spread out. You are correct. You just take up the space you're given. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just like an empty room, you're like, okay, well, how about like a credenza or an end table or or a dresser or something? And then you're like, oh, well, I have all these extra drawers. I got to put stuff in them. Yeah. loves it's here opc summer camp you know that thing we started last year well we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world which means all day long you can nerd out with me at camp zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot no you can have the amazing food in your own home you can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for in fact you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money in fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got reformer. We've got some happy hip reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! So, okay, so you have the corporate job, you got into the tiny house. When did you make your entrepreneurship about tiny homes? Was that it from the beginning or like what were you, were you dabbling into some other things? How did that transition happen? Yeah, great question. So like many, I read uh, the four hour work week, like back in 2003 or four and was like, 
You know, yeah. <laughs> I was always in the back of my head. Like I want passive income. I want to like have a business online that makes money while I sleep, which like isn't real. Um, you have well, to do work. <laughs> you, there's a lot of work in the front end, yeah, like a lot more than true. four hours. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then if you like figure out all the things, someone is working more than four hours a week. It just might not it's be true. you. <laughs> it's true. No. And I will admit, like I do wake up and people have bought my eBooks and courses. And so, yes, I made money while I slept. Um, yeah. So that was always in the back of my, my head. And I had actually started kind of a online business, I guess you would call it now, like a creator business. Uh, it was called Cloud Coach. And uh, the the motto was live and work in harmony with technology. I've always loved technology. I like teaching people and and particularly helping like small businesses kind of figure out their technology. And so I had this idea, I'll, I'll become a coach. I'll help people learn to use the technology around them. Yeah. And it was it was going okay. I like I ran the blog and and website for a few years. I had a couple. I had several kind of productized services. I was doing some web design for people. I even created like a. It was like an online course on how to like get to Inbox Zero. And ooh, ooh, yeah, I can't wait was, for Brad to hear this because he is someone who is like always like a thousand e- emails unread. <laughs> Just archive them all. I know. Start, no. Declare bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> Right? That's my advice now. Um, but yeah, so it just like trucking along, but it wasn't like really making very much money. I was finding that the people who could afford to pay me wanted me to do it for them. And the people who wanted to be coached and learn themselves, which is what I was mostly interested in doing, couldn't pay. Right. So like I definitely had like lots of free yoga classes and massages and like uh, music lessons. <laughs> and like, you know, I was like doing a lot of like barter but, you know, that doesn't pay the bills. No, you still got to pay some um, bills. Yeah. And so during the build, I was actually able to, when I quit my corporate job, which was like somewhat specialized, I was able to negotiate essentially like a consultancy. And so I, I like continued to do pieces of my job on a project by project basis. Oh, great. Um, and that, yeah, that really helped to kind of pay the bills while, you know, especially once I quit and also as I continued to build the tiny house and it went over budget. As most, we can things, talk about. As, most yeah, things. as most things do. do. <laughs> um, so it was around it was around 2013. I knew that that the tiny house had a very viable audience. I had started a Facebook page when I was building the house, and by the end of the build, it had something like four or five thousand likes. That's and insane. Like, yeah, this was back in 2012 before the algorithm when just like posting decent content like got you a lot of exposure yeah um you didn't have to pay facebook for that yeah (laughs) and so i was getting tons of questions like uh you know why did you choose that heater versus this heater like what kind of insulation is that like why did you use that and so i i just decided to apply what i had already learned from doing cloud coach about email marketing about, you know, building a WordPress website, how to put a product online, how to use PayPal, all these things. And, you know, I put up a landing page for uh, like a concept of a, a book that was called and still is called Tiny House Decisions and got to work writing it. And I launched that in 2014. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So then started with the book, we had the, we had the page, start with the book, and then like... Yeah people started buying the book or people started asking you for coaching advice or what was the, how did you end up getting like a business out of it? Well, basically while I was writing the book, I was 
starting to do email marketing, starting to publish blog posts and building up that interest list of people who were like interested in potentially buying it. Yeah. And so then I don't think I really made any money in the tiny house world until I self-published the the guide in I think it was September of 2014. Cool. And like it was it was the right time. This it was before there were now you can go onto YouTube and there are hundreds of people who have documented their their full build from start to finish. I'm I would argue that that my book still gives you something that they don't, which is really helping you think through what goes into the house, like planning all the systems and putting it all together before you ever start to build, essentially. So this is my thing. I'm on YouTube. I love it. It's great. We get paid on it. And you can go there and learn a bunch, but you aren't learning Mm. how to put things together. You're like watching. Mm. It's it's not voyeuristic per se, because there can be a conversation. They'd be teaching something, but there's only so much that free can do. You can have all the information, but putting the puzzle pieces together are a little difficult. And we have the van, right? So um, before we hit record, my husband was talking to Ethan about our van and we had all these like ideas. We did buy some floor plans that were based off of Mm -hmm. our van, but as we're driving in it without having made any decisions and we're seeing how the dogs are acting, what they need, what we need when we're working in it, we're like, you know, mm-hmm. we don't actually want a kitchen on the inside because I don't want to smell the food while I'm driving yeah. around. I'm not actually going to live in my van. I'm just using it to like road trip. So you, I think you're right. Like you're having that book or having any, wherever your idea is, like having something that helps you make the decisions that work for you is, yeah. is going to be more valuable than, you know, just getting um, the tips on how to put it together. Totally, totally. And that's, that's essentially what I set out to do in, for tiny houses. Yeah. So um, I feel like no matter what people's industry is, there's like this like boom, and then like, kind of like Peter's out and plateaus. Do you feel mm-hmm. like the tiny house is still on a boom? Or do you feel like it's on and like, people are still intrigued by it? Like, where do you feel it's going for you? I mean, I think for the tiny house industry as a whole, it is still um, kind of on the up. Uh, there's there's a lot of new interest in tiny houses. Laws around the country are changing to be more favorable for for building and living in tiny houses. And there are many, many, many more companies that are building tiny houses professionally for people. Because as more people are attracted to the movement, not everyone can build their own tiny home, nor should they. Um, you know, it's a major, it's a major undertaking of time and energy. And for for many people, their time might be better spent continuing to to do whatever it is that they do to earn money and pay someone else to do the dirty work. Yeah, of building the house. Yeah, um, we we're big fans of like hire the people whose strengths are your weaknesses. If you're not a builder, hire a builder. Yeah, <laughs> go do yeah. your thing well. Go do that as well. I think for me and and this I know mirrors like trends in online education in general is that people are less interested in just like buying a PDF. Um, they want community and they want really to be taught. They want like a class. So my ebook still sells. And I think it's like in terms of like the dollar to value ratio, it's still like probably the best 40 bucks you can spend um, just because it's like 200 pages long. And if you follow it through you're going to have a pretty solid plan for your tiny house at the end. But I've uh, several years ago launched an online community called Tiny House Engage. And it's about 100 to 150 people, depending on where we are in, in membership. And you know that's where I'm providing the, the like support and helping to create a community space for, for people who are... You know, I, I, I 
anybody's welcome to join, but I think it's best for people who are like really sure they want to do it and on. So like you're really sure that's like the the starting point. We have people who are currently in the middle of their DIY builds. We have people who are working with builders and we have many people who are living in tiny houses too. So that's a it's a nice online community. That's really cool. And I, I love how like you keep evolving what your role is in the tiny house industry and how you yeah. you're like seeing a problem and you're like solving that problem with your next thing. When you considered the tiny house, what were your biggest worries and what were like some of the surprises that you had? Because like, I feel like people are like, okay, even if it's not a tiny house, if they're like, I'm going to leave my job or I'm going to move here, like people have worries and fears. And then there's like, like surprises. So what, what were yours and your move? It's a great question. And I'm, I'm trying to put myself back in my like late twenties brain of like 2012 thinking about what I was going to do. I think that I was definitely worried. I was always worried about making enough money. I think my biggest mm-hmm. fears were around leaving my job. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, the tiny house felt like the solution to that problem. Mm. Not not something that I was worried about. And, and then once I started building, I, I definitely had those fears. Like, am I going to be able to finish this? Like, is this, am I actually going to be able to pull it off? Um, and I think that what has continued to surprise me to this day is just like that tiny houses inspire kind of a kindness in people and they kind of bring your community out of the woodwork. And even now with how much more common tiny houses are, if you tell people that you're building a tiny house, they just want to help. They're like, that's so cool. I've always wanted to do that myself. You know, oh, I have a box of hardwood flooring in my basement that like that's left over from the kitchen renovation. Do you want it? Or like, can I come by and help you one day? It's just like it, it always surprises me how people are willing to kind of help when you share a vision like that, that is exciting and kind of just something a little bit out of the ordinary. That is an aspirational thing for a lot of people. I love that. I actually that that is actually a wonderful surprise just to like it's all I love to be surprised by people like. Our neighborhood yeah. is not a neighborhood ahead of tiny houses. Obviously, we have five bedrooms, mm-hmm. but they're old houses. They're a particular um, style of house, a particular neighborhood. Everything was built in the late 40s, early 50s. And so people are, will literally say like, oh, hey, we have these panes from the 1960s. If anyone's house needs mm-hmm. them, I don't want to throw them away. And I just I love that about people like who are prideful in those things. They want to make sure that those things continue on and go to a good spot and they, and they continue to have their, their moment. So I think that's cool that people do that for a tiny house owner. What do you think it is that draws people into wanting to live in a tiny house? Like what's the, what's the awe? Because you know, like that, it's very interesting how many people are like, I want to live in a tiny house. Like you, you saw it as like a way of solving the fear of money thing. Is it, do you think it's, um, so like they see it as solving a problem that they have or, I would say that the majority of people that I interact with in my community and just on my email list, the the financial piece is probably the biggest driver for them, whether it's not wanting to have a mortgage and not be in debt or just wanting to be able to own a house outright or just own a house, period, you know, even with a loan that's that's more affordable. I think that's the biggest driver. I've been surprised. You know, I always thought when I started the business that my customers were going to be people like me, like 20 something millennials, basically, who were, you know, I graduated from college in 2007, right as the like crazy real estate 
oh yeah cluster i graduated in 2005 and, like, and i was in retail yeah. so <laughs> yeah like there were the idea of of mortgaging your future to buy a house seemed crazy to me and so i was like this is going to be all millennials who are like burnt and like uh just scared yeah. to buy you know to to spend more money what i'm seeing now is that there are millennials and younger people building tiny houses um, but we're not staying in our tiny houses because like we're kind of at the beginning stages of our lives. Like we're going to find partners and potentially have families, children, dogs, pets, all mm-hmm. these things. It's it's surprising to me how many boomers are retiring into tiny houses. That's been like the biggest area in terms of like students in my courses, people who buy my stuff, people who join my community, like are are like older folks who are actually like if you think about it in a much better point in their lives to downsize because yeah. kids have grown up, they don't need the space anymore. They're on more of a fixed income potentially if they've requ- retired. And so these are actually the people who are like building tiny houses or buying tiny houses. And they're like, I'm going to stay in here until I can't live on my own anymore. I think that makes so much sense. And yes, I agree. The millennials probably saw the tiny home as an, as an opportunity to have a, a home that was their own. And then they're like, okay, but yeah, partners and kids in a tiny home that gets yep. a little hard. Yeah. No matter how organized you are. Um, although people in New York apparently do it all the time with their apartments. So it must yep. be able to be done. But my dad is 70 and he's not in a tiny home, but he is, he is downsized and he, I, I can see how for his generation of people, how helpful it would be to have access to a tiny home because you can still feel yeah. like you have a home, you have this space that's your own, you know, and still have your independence. I think that's really cool. I love that your your stuff is available to multiple generations of people. Yeah. And I've I've like, I'm pretty like tech savvy, but I've also like in my business had to like sometimes tone it down. Like I, there's no discord community that you can join when you join my programs, because like boomers don't know how to use Discord, like, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Um, my listeners, I swear, <laughs> half the listeners are like Discord. What is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or Slack. Like I was yeah. like, oh, I'll create a private Slack group. Like, oh, well, same. I have my agency group is on Slack because I didn't want to put them on Facebook because I don't want them mm-hmm. doing like going for business coaching. Yeah. And then also seeing like what um, their weird uncle Rob also wrote yeah. on one of their posts. I wanted them to like yeah. have a space that like this is safe for you to go and also no algorithm. Right. And everyone is like, we have to put them in like us. We put them in a little Slack mini where we train them on Slack yeah. and they actually <laughs> use That's Slack awesome. before they come into the main group. Otherwise, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think. Yeah, you. I mean, with depending with your millennial peeps, you can obviously tone it up, and then with the other people, you have to tone it down. But I also just think, even though the world has got, finally got online as like the one mm-hmm. as one of the few benefits of the last couple of years, um, mm-hmm. people are still hesitant, reticent, or unsure. And so having yeah. your stuff be accessible for that the boomer generation who's like I, they have an iPhone, but they're not they don't consider themselves tech savvy. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what is next for you? Like, what are you excited about now? What are you kind of toying with or kind of being it till you see it now? Yeah. So, um, in November of 21, I piloted, um, kind of a live cohort based course that's based around tiny house decisions. Like tiny house decisions is the framework for the course, but it's seven weeks long with a lot of exercises and worksheets and things. And then a a weekly two hour Q and a call essentially. 
And so we've run that twice now. I have a co-instructor for that. And I'd really like to figure out how to scale that up and and get more people into it and potentially create like a self-paced version of it. Yeah, I... I love hearing what people are working on next because I think people need to hear like they've run it a couple of times and it's not like you're like, oh, we know how to do it all. Like it's always testing and tweaking and making adjustments and figuring out like how do we get and how does anything go from being for a small group, which is very fun. People love to being accessible to the many. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the even just the name of it, sometimes you can't find the right name for for a course. And and I think I, I like figured it out between this last one and before we do it the next time. So I think I'm going to rename it Tiny House Accelerator because that's kind of what it is. Oh, it's kind of like um, what was um, like incubate. What's the accelerator situation in um, Silicon Valley? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Like incubators for, for companies. Y Combinator. Y Combinator. There it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, but I like the word accelerator. And it's true, like when you're naming anything, because I hate having to name things because things that are mm. cute, like don't work or clever doesn't work. Like it has to be like, it has to be kind of like has to be SEO friendly and make sense. And, but the word accelerator is really great because people, that's what people want. They want it to be like, they want the information downloaded. Yeah. It's fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Test it out. You'll have to keep us posted Thanks. on how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah. All right, everyone. So we're going to take a quick moment and then you're going to find out how you can take this Tiny House Accelerator course, get the book, find out more about Ethan. So one second. All right, loves. It's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality. And that's why for three years, I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash beit. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Okay, Ethan, where can people find you, follow you, learn more information from you? Sure. Yeah, I, I'd say like the best place is uh, thetinyhouse.net. That's my website. I would love for your listeners, since they're already listening to a podcast and they, I presume, understand how to listen to a podcast, 
check out my podcast. Uh, it's called Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. And it's been going for over four years. There's 250 episodes deep interviews with just all kinds of people, van life, sailboats, school buses, tiny houses, professional builders, DIYers. It's, it's like all in there. So like the, the podcast back catalog is is a goldmine of, of tiny house inspiration oh and information. Brad's going to binge out on the next drive. Well, he told me that he already started. So <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Of yeah. course he did. Sometimes he sees who's coming on the show and he gets, he gets a little, <laughs> he's like, goes right. on a rabbit trail. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, and are you on Instagram or anywhere else on any socials? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter, just at Ethan Waldman, my name, Facebook. I'm at building the tiny house. Um, I've like, I've really in the last several years kind of identified that, that like using social media doesn't make me feel particularly great. And it, it also is, is a bit of a content hamster wheel. And so I've, I've really tried to kind of step away from the content hamster wheel. And, you know, if you follow me on social, you'll, you'll hear about the latest things, but like the podcast and my email newsletter are like where you'll kind of be getting the most direct, like yes. word from, from Ethan. I, I hear you on that. I think, um, yeah. even though I'm in the hamster wheel of content creation <laughs> for a lot of our other brands, yeah. um, you get the most up to date and info sooner if you're listening to the pod or the newsletter. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> Cause like I, there's something about it that feels like I'm writing a letter or I'm on a phone call yeah. versus like, I'm putting this thing together to hopefully get your attention and hopefully answer a question that you may not be asking yourself today, but you might be yep. asking it yesterday. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Okay. Before I let you go, Ethan, um, you've been a wealth of, of just inspiration, uh, be it action items. So we like to mm -hmm. leave our listeners with bold, executable, intrinsic, or targeted steps they can take to be in it till they see it, whether it's in a tiny home or anything else. Yeah, I would say, so I'll, I'll answer that question based on that you're interested in, in living in a tiny home. I challenge you to, to, you know, pick up a book or not about decluttering and downsizing and start, start doing that. Um, because if, if you are feeling like a tiny home is far into your future in terms of saving up the money for it, or just having the time to build it, uh, down, you know, lowering your footprint, just even in the house that you live in now is a great start to living tiny. And it's, it's an actionable step that you can take now. Yeah. And I also think like, even if you don't want to live tiny, we could all use a little decluttering and lowering of our footprint. <laughs> oh, yeah. This planet. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, everyone, how are you going to do this in your life? How are you going to use the tips, the things, the stories that Ethan has told you? Let us know by tagging the Be It Pod on Instagram. You can tag Ethan Waldman. Um, obviously, if you're on his newsletter, you could actually just reply to an email and tell him there. <laughs> and um, let us know because, you know, whether or not you want to live in a tiny home, I hope you could see like the journey that Ethan went on and how it's taken him to where he wants to be. And, and sometimes we want to know the entire design from start to finish. And it doesn't always work. It doesn't work that way ever, actually. Yeah. So, um, so I hope it was an inspiration for you and taking the steps that you want and being it till you see it. episode of the be it till you see it podcast one thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and 
follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of As the Crows Fly Media. It's written, produced, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. Our associate producer is Amanda Fratarelli. Kevin Perez at Desenio handles all of our audio editing. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music. And our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to our designer, Jaira Mandal, for creating all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and our digital producer, Jay Pedroso, for editing all the video each week that you can. And to Angelina Herrico for transcribing each of our episodes so you can find them on our website. And finally, to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. Hey loves, it's me, Leslie, and I am excited to talk about socks because we need to talk about socks all the time because I love being barefoot. I am not a fan of shoes. You'll rarely see me in shoes. Even when I have people at my house and they're in shoes, I am barefoot or I'm in my toe socks and Tavi Active socks. And the reason is that I've got tile floors and um, they're not so nice to my feet. So I do love a cute sock. And I also only use their socks when I am doing Pilates. I love that they have an amazing sticky gripness to them. It also, when I'm teaching in other people's studios, having those socks on keeps me from slipping around in a studio and really allows me to root where I'm planted. Plus they're freaking cute. Have you seen toe socks and Tavi's socks? I mean, my goodness, they are the cutest styles all the time. The Barbie socks, I can't get enough of. I think I need to buy three pairs. So here's the deal. I want you to get yourself a pair of toe socks or Tavi Active socks, and you can go to beitpod.com slash toe socks. That's going to take you over to toe socks. Feel free to explore a Tavi, and you can use my discount code, Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y, to make sure you save some money on your socks, because the reality is, is you should just get the most amazing, cutest socks and also save some money because you listen to this podcast. So make sure you check those out the next time you are looking for some socks to wear in Pilates, yoga, bar, or around your house like I do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.